How can we get more wildflowers back blooming on the verges of the roadside? Verges have become overgrown with uh, with nitrogen from the grass and uh, this is smothered wildflower growth. We'll hear about a new environmentally friendly mowing system this morning and get details of a couple of events benefiting our local and farming charities that maybe you could support. The idea being that we would get people out and about feeling active, giving them some purpose um, and actually raising awareness and raising funds. Plus of course the market reports and weather and some timely advice from our crop doctor Sean Sparling. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. A very good morning. Hope you've enjoyed the week of pleasant spring weather. Some chilly starts, though. Arla has this week announced a small price rise for April as the cost of producing milk and everything else continues to soar. Their price for conventional and organic milk will rise by 0.34 pence per litre from next month and pig prices have increased to their highest level seen this year, according to AHDB's latest market report for the sector. EU spec SPP rose 3.2 pence per kilo last week to 141.71 pence. Further increases in the SPP are are expected this week. The government has announced that from the 1st of June it will remove the 25% import tariff on maize imported from the United States. The tariff was imposed in response to those imposed by then US President Donald Trump on steel and aluminium and since then no maize has been imported to the UK from the US. This should help mitigate the now limited maize exports coming from Ukraine and Russia. Around 27% of UK maize imports come from Ukraine. Openfield's Kit Dickinson will review the grain markets for us shortly. In just over a month, there's a bit of a do taking place in Lincoln. I've dusted off my dinner jacket in readiness and I'm really looking forward to catching up with loads of people from the rural and farming community. And it's all in a very good cause. Actually, several good causes. To tell us about it from the organising committee, good morning, Laura Clark. Yes, thanks, Steve. So on the 28th of April, we're having the Lincolnshire Rural Charities Dinner at the Lincolnshire Showground. And that is a dinner to celebrate and raise money for three charities that actively work to support communities throughout Lincolnshire. And they are the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, the newly formed Lincolnshire Rural and Agricultural Chaplaincy, and the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society's Education Trust. And I'm sure, as you know, these charities all provide vital services within Lincolnshire and rely extensively on fundraising for their continued work. So we're hoping to be able to raise lots of money for them through the dinner. Excellent. So what's the theme of the evening? So the theme for the evening is Thinking Bigger Together, and that's based on an adapted poem called Think Big by Walter D. Wintle, who's... um, final verse says life battles don't always go to the strongest or fastest man but sooner or later the person who wins is the person who thinks that he can so it's all about how these charities have adapted to continue working together positively throughout the coronavirus pandemic now as you say three very important charities in the area and we've talked to those charities previously on the farming program now this is a posh do black tie posh frocks where can we find out more information laura the person to contact is Della Armstrong. She's available at Della.Armstrong at lrsn.co.uk. That's Della.Armstrong at lrsn.co.uk. There are a few tickets left. They're £80 each, or you can get a table of 10 for £800. Now, I've got my ticket. You're going. How many are you expecting? 
hopefully about at least 400 other people will also be joining us. So it should be a great night and hopefully we will raise tens of thousands of pounds uh, for so, charity in the when we're there. And this is at the Epic Centre at the Lincolnshire Showground, 28th of April 2022. Excellent. Laura, thanks for joining us on the programme. Look forward to seeing you there. Thank you, Steve. See you there. Looking forward to that. And if you do go, come and say hello. And that's not the only event taking place soon for farming and rural charities. The Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, LRSN, have their Mad May Marathon coming up. Don't panic. You don't have to run 26 miles all in one go. Details in a moment. But first, friend of the farming programme, Charles Anion, you are running a full marathon next week. I am running Manchester Marathon for the Farming Community Network, who are a charity uh, which focus on many things, but, uh, you know, focus on mental health. Uh, They're a national charity, and they work very closely with our excellent Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. And I just want to raise a bit of awareness for mental health and raise some funds for the Farming Community Network. Obviously, everything is focused very much on the tragic events in the Ukraine, quite rightly, but um, we just can't forget about what is happening at home. Good luck for next week, Charles. And if you want to support Charles, he has a Just Giving page. Just search for Charles Anion, A-Y-N-A-N, and you'll find him there. So to LRSN's Mad May Marathon, here's charity manager Amy Thompson to tell us more about it and how you and I can get involved. So the Mad May Marathon is something that we introduced last year when people weren't able to get out and about quite so much and we weren't able to run our traditional fundraising activities and events. And we wanted to really recognise the fact that physical health and being active plays a really important part in how you feel generally in your, your mental well-being. Um, and so we created the Mad May Marathon and the idea being that we would get people out and about, feeling active, uh, giving them some purpose um, and actually raising awareness and raising funds for our charity. The health and well-being part's important, but the fundraising part's really important for LRSN, isn't it? It is hugely important for LRSN. Uh, We rely heavily on donations and sponsorship from from different people, whether that be individuals or organisations. There's a small registration fee, but then people raise sponsorship. um, And along the way, they're spreading the news about our charity so more people know about us and know that we're there to, to reach out to. Now, let us deal with the word marathon. Uh, because that will frighten some people. It certainly frightened me, the thought of running 26 miles. But you don't have to do it all in one go. Oh, no, absolutely not. It's frankly quite a terrifying thought, isn't it? You can do it little bit by little bit. That's certainly what I'll be doing this year. Um, you can walk, you can run, you can dog walk, you can cycle. Entirely up to you how much you do and when you do it and how you do it. Uh, the idea being that gradually over the month of May, um, you will build up to that to that marathon distance and actually hopefully create some new really good healthy habits along the way do you think i could do it oh i think you could definitely do it i think anyone can do this um, i did it last year with my children who absolutely hate being dragged outside um, so i think anyone can do this so even at my age i could do <laughs> i could do this you think do you know what amy i'm gonna do it That's fantastic. And I'm sure we can count on you, listeners to the farming programme, to A, spread the word, but B, support me with some donations to LRSN. That would be absolutely amazing. Thank you, Steve. And yes, please, please do raise as much awareness and, of course, those much-needed funds as possible for us. Right. Where can we find out more about this? And if you want to take part, how do we raise funds, etc.? 
So there is a link on our website to register for the Mad May Marathon. Um, it's a really simple form on the website to complete, and then we'll send you out everything you need. So we'll send you some information about how to set up your just giving account tends to be the easiest way to do that. We'll send you some information about us, and we'll also send you a very fetching snood to wear with the LRSN logo on it so that you can wear that in all your pictures, and we'll send you hashtags and so that we can create a, a bit of a following for what's happening. And that website address, Amy, is? It's lrsn.co.uk. And if you want to follow on Twitter? It's at Links Rural Help. All right, Amy. Well, I'm going to go and get my registration form done now at lrsn.co.uk. Thanks, Amy. Good luck with the Mad May Marathon. Amazing. Thank you, Steve. I think I'd better start getting into training. To the fields we go now with crop doctor Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, a very good morning to you, Steve, and the best of luck to you for that. Um, if you wouldn't mind just wearing a vest underneath your uh, scarlet mankini, that would be great for the purposes of decency. Um, so, what a week of weather we've had then. Minus two frost early part of the week, then 18, 19 degrees most days, bright sunshine, and that inch of rain last week still playing its part in holding up some of the cultivations on some fields, but I think it's fair to say an awful lot's been done one way or another over the last seven days. T-Zero's Top dressing, sugar beet, spring wheat, spring barley, pea, bean, drilling, potatoes, all going in the ground and all going in the ground reasonably well. So starting with all seed rate, yellow bud and first flowers in the most forward bits has happened over the last seven days. Green bud in the more pigeon ravaged, more backward stuff and pollen beetles starting to be about now. Remember, we have thresholds of pollen beetle for very good reasons. They protect your crops and they protect the predators. Remember, an all seed rate crop will produce around six. 60% more buds than it ever turns into pods. 80% of the insect life in an all-seed rape canopy is a beneficial insect. So those pollen beetles which are into the yellow crops now are pollinators. They're doing some good. So it's really the more backward, green-budded pieces which are at the highest risk. But rape is a wonderful crop and it's a haven for a lot of wildlife. We know that even where pyrethroids are sprayed, pyrethroids are largely useless anyway against pollen beetle. But unfortunately, they're still incredibly active on the beneficials like bees, parasitic wasps, lacewings, ladybirds, microtonis, brassicae, and all the other little beneficial insects that make up around 80% of that insect life in the canopy. So if the crop has any yellow in it, those pollen beetle are going to move into those crops, much like they do for the ladies wearing yellow clothing at the Lincolnshire Show. Any yellow, don't spray insecticide in that rate crop under any circumstances. If you're looking at backward and green crops, then the thresholds are, if you've got fewer than 30 plants a square metre, it's 25 pollen beetle per plant. 30 to 50 plants a square metre, it's 18 pollen beetle a plant. 50 to 70 metre squared plants, then it's 11 per plant. And if you've got over 70 plants a square meter then your threshold is seven per plant they emerge from about mid-march and it's temperature sensitive so anything over 15 degrees that's what we've seen this week that's why we've seen pollen beetle because it's triggered their activity and the headlands and the yellow plants are always going to be worst affected so ignore those and take a representative picture of the field to be quite frank if you leave them or if you spray them your yield of all seed rate is going to be pretty much the same and the damage you'll do to the beneficials will 
would be far, far greater than the damage to the pollen beetles if you do spray. So there you go. I won't be spraying my oilseed rake once again this spring. So yellow rust moving in winter wheat, then stem-based browning septoria, quite widespread in the crop base when you look. But apart from a few forward early drilled plants, I've got nothing with leaf four, which is fully out. That's the T0 timing when leaf four is emerged. As I said last week, yellow rust, manganese, zinc, magnesium, they're really your targets and little else really since we lost chlorthalonil at T0. Winter barley, that'll benefit from a strob, manganese, zinc, magnesium too at this stage. So do try and correct any nutrient deficiencies now before things set off in a couple of weeks time. Spring barley drilled in mid-March to the end of March tends to be very low risk for barley yellow dwarf virus, but do be vigilant against these aphids. And having said that, however, pyrethroids are again of very little use against aphids. And because they're not residual, they're only contact. My opinion is they're almost a waste of time trying to control BYDV with pyrethroids. So let the ladybirds, lacewings, wasps, hoverflies and all the others which are appearing in big numbers now do their bit for you. That's what IPM is all about. Winter beans, they're romping away now. So if you have any brassica weeds or cranesbill in those beans, you can still apply bentazone pre any flowers. Don't go if there's any sign of flowers. And the sunniest day you can find is going to give you the best results. I have no sugar beet up yet, but I will have, I think, by the middle of next week, I'm sure, 15 millimetre chicks on seed that's been in the ground for seven days at the beginning of the week. And just to finish off, how the devil did George Eustace actually get his job as Minister for Agriculture and the Environment? My guess is that he won it in a raffle, because his assertion on the television the other morning that, and I quote, there is more than enough organic manure produced and available in the UK to feed our crops with nitrogen and other nutrients without any need for synthetic fertilisers. Referencing the issues that we're having in our industry with nitrogen supplies and costings at the moment. And that is both wrong and ignorant. Let me give you an example, George. We're allowed to apply eight tonnes per hectare maximum of poultry broiler manure, and that's the highest nitrogen content of any organic manures that we can apply. That delivers 85 kilograms per hectare of crop available nitrogen. An eight tonne wheat crop requires around 220 kilograms of nitrogen on a soil nitrogen supply index of one. We grow 10 tonne plus per hectare crops. We can't get enough organic manure now at the rates we're using. So even if we trebled the amount we're putting on, that still would not do the job that synthetic nitrogen does to a growing crop. It's an absolutely shameful display of somebody parroting the misinformation that he's getting from the likes of Packham and Mombio and the rewilding fraternity and Countryfile. So disappointing, frustrating... I'm absolutely disgusted with our minister. Sean Sparling, Lynx FM Farming, Westminster. So let's see what the next seven days bring. And relax. Me in a mankini. Thank goodness it's radio. Cheers, Sean. Wildflowers look set to bloom again on roadside verges following the development of a new environmentally friendly mowing head designed to protect insects and other creatures and encourage the growth of wildflowers. I met with Tony Levitt, MD at South Cave Tractors, and Ed Tiplady and Ian Whitaker from specialist contractors GVA who have bought the system. Firstly, Tony, tell us a bit about the system. The system is basically a cut and collect system collecting grass and uh, also for litter as well and the idea is that uh, the, the machine is there to cut and collect grass on the verge sides to allow uh, the establishment of wildflower and things like that there's two ways of doing it one the old way was to cut and collect the, the grass by sucking the grass from the ground 
which certainly with studies in Germany showed that uh, they were collecting bugs as well as the grass. So the new system now uh, cuts, collects the grass, but the, uh, the suction is from above and that has reduced the amount of bugs that's collected by 80% um, in, in, in a lot of cases uh, and, uh, and still does exactly the same uh, work and job that we've done previously. Verges have become overgrown with, uh, uh, with nitrogen from the grass and uh, this has smothered wildflower growth and uh, this is a, a turning point to try and re reintroduce the wildflowers by cutting and collecting the grass rather than baling it for hay like the farmers used to do many years ago. So Ed, what's wrong with just leaving the cut grass behind? If you leave the grass behind on the verge, um, the grass will rot down, adding nutritional value to the soil. We're trying to encourage wildflowers to grow on the side of the verge and when you've got a nutrient-rich soil, wildflowers don't tend to like like that kind of nutrient-rich soil. And you'll get your, your, your perennial ryegrasses and, and stuff like that, which will just overtake. When we encourage the wildflowers, we'll then inc encourage pollinating insects, bees, butterflies, etc. So what do you actually do with the grass when you cut it? So there's two things we can do with the grass. We can obviously collect it and we can put it into anaerobic digestion and the second one is we can we can compost the grass and use it as compost for for, for other horticultural landscape purposes okay. and is this piece of kit connected to a standard tractor does it need special equipment how does it work it's a moolag system that goes on the back of a unimog and then it has a trailer on the back that's connected to the the cutting system and Ian, this doesn't use a traditional kind of roller system, does it? No, it has a roller on the back that has two um, lumps at either end and there are only two very small points of contact. So this allows the voles and mice that are living in the verge to go past underneath the mower, one without getting sucked up and two without getting squashed. This isn't something that's just going to be for the next few months. This is going to be a fairly long-term thing, yeah? This operation is a long-term approach to kind of a, creating a sustainable built environment we can't just take nutrition out of the ground in five months this is should be done over a period of five ten years you know and let's be honest we should be doing this all the time to to encourage the you know rich species on our roadside verges to you know encourage bees and butterflies because we all know that those little things are good for the environment Okay, so Tom, let's cut to the chase. How much are we talking about for one of these? The whole combination, um, probably around two hundred and fifty thousand to, to three hundred thousand pounds, depending on what options you decide to have uh, in, in as a com complete package. Yes, yeah. And okay. um, where could we find out more information? Uh, we use uh, South Cave Tractors Limited, where the main agents for Mulag and for the Unimog. And of course, uh, with our partners we've been working with on the road, uh, GVA, they're a contracting company who uh, do hire the machine or, and do actually um, uh, do the cut and collect for customers as well. Many thanks to Tony Levitt, MD at South Cave Tractors, and Ed Tiplady and Ian Whitaker from Contractors GVA. There's more information on the Eco 1200 and Moolag at southcavetractors.com. Let's see what the markets have been doing this week, starting with livestock from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth, Monday the 21st of March 2022. Started with the prime cattle, which saw a record-breaking week for the lead grossing price beef sold on a non-fat stock week, with heifers from GS Paul selling at £1,707, topping for JS Brooks at 260 pence per kilo. Steers topped at 240 pence per kilo and £1,389 for JC Scolia Bormba. 
Moving on to the store cattle, a mixed show on offer this week saw the best ended continentals remain the easiest to place. A top for steers for beaver agricultural contractors at £1,080, while heifers top for Pennell Brothers of Louth at £1,045. Moving on to the sheep, starting with the prime hogs, a slightly larger than expected show and a better trade across the board saw an SQQ average of 260.59 pence per kilo. A top this week came for W.R. Hansen and Son of Coningsby at £133 per head, while G. and D.M. Housem of Stickford topped the pence per kilo at 288 pence. Moving on to the cool ewes and a larger number forward compared with the previous week. However, slightly back on the averages, but it must be mentioned there was plenty of lambing casualties and grazing ewes mixed amongst those to leave an all-in average of £112.39. A top came this week for G.W. Allison Thorsway at £188. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors, and the ones that continue to support us week in, week out. A quick reminder that Friday the 1st of April sees our first special spring show and sale of suckle calves and store cattle to commence at 12 midday. Please do not hesitate to contact me to discuss marketing options for all prime and cool cattle and store cattle moving forward into the spring months. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Layoff Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver and the grey markets now with Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Good morning Steve. Russia's invasion of the UK rages on with progress probably slower than Putin envisaged as Ukrainians fight back to protect their homeland. Reports abound of Russian attacks on civilian targets, processing and export facilities damaged and deliberate attacks on Ukrainian food stocks and storage locations. Analysts, consultants speculate on the size of the Ukrainian winter wheat harvest and spring plantings, while suggesting that the 20 million metric tonne of wheat and maize that will not be shipped this season will be carried forward and therefore be available in next season, despite the lower 2022-2023 production prospects. On paper, this may be true. The reality is nobody really knows. Matif and London ice futures markets reached new highs, although domestic physical markets are more difficult to define. Some old crop continues to come forward whilst new crop sellers, having already sold a percentage, are reluctant to sell more due to the large inverse against old crop. Bear in mind that the UK relied heavily on large imports of feed wheat in July, August and September last year to tide us through to new crop, which may not be the case this time, around the lack of cheap offers in the position currently. This means that the price of imported US Brazilian maize will be closely monitored, particularly as the Ukraine maize is still unavailable. Argentina and Brazil got some much-needed rain, although some areas did still miss out. Early Argentine maize yields are reported to be disappointing, with the USDA probably 4 to 5 million metric tonne too high, whilst it is early days to say whether Brazil's safrina crop will actually perform. So looking at barley this week, new crop malting barley has now followed the volatile wheat market up to a certain extent, with premiums of £40 per tonne being paid over feed barley prices. Good weather has meant that planting is now complete in all but the heaviest land, so malting barley growers have now started to sell forward into this position, being ever mindful that any ceasefire in the Ukrainian conflict could mean a fall of £20 a tonne in the futures market, just on sentiment alone. Oilseed rate. In the early part of the week, we saw the market climb even higher as egg farm prices hit £800 per tonne, supported by Chicago's strength and rising crude oil, which went up to over $117 a barrel. As we have seen all season, supplies are tight and there is good demand against healthy crush margins and a limited amount of seed is in strong hands. 
We also noticed that the spread between old and new crop is now starting to narrow, with a difference now at around €156 Euros per tonne. Midweek also saw main motif break through the €1,000 barrier to a high of €1,021 before closing at €926.50, almost €100 off the top on the day, which really does emphasise how volatile these markets are at the moment. There is certainly an expectation that we will see further wild swings on both old and new crop oilseed rate going forward. So looking at prices this week, winter wheat April 300 to 308 May 308 to 313, July 313 to 320, and November new crop 255 to 262. Milling wheat premiums are currently 35 to 37 pounds. Feed barley for April 302 to 310, May 304 to 312, July new crop 225 to 230. November 235 to 240. For malting barley values, please speak to your open field farm business manager. Oil seed rate for April is 770 to 775, May 773 to 778, July 602 to 612, and November 612 to 620 pounds a tonne. Thanks as ever, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. The high pressure gives way to low this week, which means a move away from the sunny days to some wind and rain later in the week. Dry but cooler than of late today, with a gentle easterly highs of 13 Celsius. We may see some light rain tomorrow, otherwise calm with some sunshine and highs in the mid-teens. Then from Tuesday, there's more rain expected. The winds pick up and turn southwesterly from Wednesday, and it gets a few degrees cooler, but not getting down too low overnight. Next week, we look ahead to countryside links and a direct drilling day in Lincolnshire. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week.